shall have to send all the students home tomorrow. This is the end of Hogwarts. Dumbledore always said, and at that right at that moment, the staff room door banged open again. For one wild moment, Harry was sure it was Dumbledore, but it was Lockhart, and he was beaming. So sorry, dozed off. What have I missed? Didn't seem to notice that the other teachers were looking at him with something remarkably like hatred. Snape stepped forward. Just the man, just the very man. A girl has been snatched by the monster Lockhart, taken in the Chamber of Secrets itself. Your moment has come at last. That's right, Gilroyd. Everyone just cornering him. Wouldn't you say that just last night you've known all along where the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets is? And Lockhart would say, "I, well, I, well." We will leave it to you then, Gilroy. Tonight will be an excellent time to do it. We will make sure everyone's out your way. You'll be able to tackle the monster all by yourself. A free reign at last. I like how all the teachers will join up and just to corner him. It's your time. And then McGonagall was like, the heads of houses should go and inform their students what has happened. Tell them the Hogwarts Express will take them home first thing tomorrow. Will the rest of you please make sure no students have been left outside their dormitories? The teachers rose and left one by one. Oh, also during the conversation, we know that Jenny, Jenny Weasley, was the one who was snatched to the Chamber of Secrets. And Ron, being the voice of reason, this whole book, it's like. She knew something, Harry. She knew something. That's why she's taken. It wasn't some stupid thing about Percy at all. She'd found out something about the Chamber of Secrets. That must be why she was. Ron rubbed his eyes frantically. I mean, she was a pure blood. There can't be any other reasons. So innocent they went, and they're like, "Tell we should go see Lockhart. Tell him what we know. He's going to try and get into the chamber. We can tell him where we think it is, and tell him it's Basilisk in there." And when they got there, we know from the movie and from the book, from everything, that Lockhart was just coward and just trying to run away. And Ron just like, "What about my sister?" And he just like, "Oh, no one regrets more than I." But Harry was like, "You can't go. You are the defense against the dark arts teacher. You can't go. Not with all the dark stuff going on here." And Lockhart just like. Well, I must say, when I took the job, nothing in the job description didn't expect. Harry was in disbelief, and it's like, "You mean you're running away after all the stuff you did in your books?" And Lockhart was just like, "Books can be misleading. You wrote them, my dear boy. Do use your common sense. My books wouldn't have sold half as well if people didn't think I'd done all those stuff." So he was just saying he has been taking credits for what other people have done because he was the face. No one wants to listen to other people done those things. Well, I think this was quite a lesson for Harry and Ron as well in the innocent mind. And now they know in the adult world, it's not always like what the, what you saw in the books and stuff. It's life. I actually quite interesting how Lockhart this personality is. You know, did he really believe in all the things he did? He say it's like pathological liar. You know, keep saying. It's not like I haven't done anything. I had to track those people down, ask them exactly how they managed to do what they did, and I had to put a memory charm on them so they wouldn't remember doing it. If there's one thing I pride myself in, it's my memory charms. No, it's been a lot of work, Harry. It's not all book signings and publicity photos. You know, you want fame. You have to be prepared for a long, hard slog. 
Let's see, he said. I think that's everything. Yes, only one thing left. It was like, awfully sorry, boys, but I will have to put a memory charm on you now. Can't have you blobbing my secrets all over the place. I'd never sell another book again. But Harry pulled one first. Expelliarmus! He bellowed. Lockhart was blasted backwards, falling over his trunk. His wand flew high into the air, Ron caught it, and flung it out of the open window. Lockhart was like, "What do you want me to do?" And they just basically kidnapped Lockhart, and they want to send Lockhart in first into the Chamber of Secrets. And they went inside to ask, "How did Myrtle die?" That's not a nice question. And Myrtle just like, "Oh." It was dreadful. I died in this very stall. It was like she was hidden in the toilet when she was crying, and heard somebody came in. They said something funny, a different language, I think it must have been. Anyway, what really got me was that it was a boy speaking. So I unlocked the door to tell him to go and use his own toilet, and then I died. How? said Harry. No idea. I just remember seeing a pair of great big yellow eyes. My whole body sort of seized up, and then I was floating away. And then she led them to the entrance of the chamber of secret, which is the tap. Myrtle was like, "The taps never worked." Harry, say something, something Parseltown. That wrong. Open up, he said. Except that the words weren't what he heard. A strange hissing had escaped him, and at once the tap glowed with a brilliant white light and began to spin. Next second, the sink began to move. The sink, in fact, sunk right out of sight, leaving a large pipe exposed—a pipe wide enough for a man to slide into. They throw Lockhart in first. As he was sliding down. He could see more pipes branching off in all directions, but none as large as theirs, which twisted and turned, sloping steeply downwards. And he knew that he was falling deeper under the school than even the dungeons. The end. The pipe just leveled out, and he shot out of the end with a wet thud, landing on a damp floor of a dark stone tunnel, large enough to stand in. Then Harry and Ron came in too, of course, and Harry just light up the lumens again. Remember, Harry said quietly as they walked cautiously forward. Any sign of movement, close your eyes right away. Well, I must say, this book I really enjoyed all the boys' behaviors and actions. I just I will give it to them. Always sound level-headed. Action of reason, voice of reason. Then very soon they would see the snake skin. I think they saw something, and it was like the serpent skin. Whatever had shaded it must have been twenty feet long. And then Lockhart was just like, "Oh, sorry, boys. The adventure ends here. I shall take a bit this skin back up to the school. Tell them I was too late to save the girl, and that you two tragically lost your mind at the sight of her mangled body. Say goodbye to your memories." Obliviate! He yelled the spell. With Ron's wand, you know, Ron's wand has been broken all this time. So Lockhart had got blasted by the wand. Harry and Ron was okay, but unfortunately, because the bomb Lockhart created, the whole tunnel almost caved in, and Ron Harry being separated by huge rocks. Harry, being a good champ, is just like wait there, wait with Lockhart. I will go on if I'm not back in an hour. I will try and shift some of this rock," said Ron, "so you can can get back through. And Harry, 
See you in a bit. When Harry marched on, he soon saw two twinned serpents were carved on a large, a solid wall, and their eyes set with great glittering emeralds. And Harry knew what to do. Open, said Harry in a low, faint hiss. Puzzle time again. And the serpents parted as the wall cracked open. The halves slid smoothly out of sight, and Harry, shaking from head to foot, walked inside, even though he's scared to death. But He wanted to save Jenny. Chapter Seventeen: The Air of Slithering. And Harry found Jenny. Her head lolled helplessly from side to side. So Harry was just like, "Don't die!" But a soft voice floating over is like, "She won't wake." And Harry jumped. A tall, black-haired boy was leaning against the nearest pillar, watching. He was strangely blurred around the edges, as though Harry was looking at him through a misted window. But there was no mistaking him. Tom, Tom Riddle. Harry stared at him. Tom Riddle had been at Hogwarts fifty years ago. Yet here he stood, a weird misty light shining about him, not a day older than sixteen. Are you a ghost? A memory, said Riddle quietly, preserved in a diary for fifty years. And Harry started to go. You've got to help me, Tom. We've got to get Jenny out here. This basilisk—I don't know where it is, but it could be along any moment. Please help me. And Tom didn't move. Harry still haven't realized what's happening. But usually, this kind of conversation, this back and forth, to and fro, is quite boring. It's like just get on with it. But these conversations here was quite nice. Again, proved J.K. was a good writer. For example, when when Tom got Harry's wand and not giving it back to him, he's just like, "I've waited a long time for this Harry Potter, for the chance to see you, to speak to you." And Harry goes, "Look, I don't think you get it. We are in the Chamber of Secrets. We can talk later." <laughs> We are going to talk now," said Riddle, still smiling. Harry stared at him. There was something very funny going on here, and he finally asked, "How did Jenny get like this?" And so we know that Jenny somehow got a diary and has been writing in it for months and months, telling him all his pitiful worries and woes, how her brothers teased her, how she had to come to school with second-hand robes and books, how, and lastly, how she didn't think famous, good, great Harry Potter would ever like her. And here it was described like there was an almost hungry look in Tom Riddle's eyes. It's very boring. Having to listen to the silly little troubles of an eleven-year-old girl, but I was patient. I wrote back. I was sympathetic. I was kind. Jenny simply loved me. No one's ever understood me like you, Tom. I'm so glad I've got this diary to confide in. It's like having a friend I can carry around in my pocket. This is just basically the dating app scam, like social media apps scam. Con artist, that kind of style. But you, are you eleven years old? Too young, too young. Tom kept saying, "If I say it myself, Harry, I've always been able to charm the people I needed." So Jenny here pulled out her soul to me, and her soul happened to be exactly what I wanted. I grew stronger and stronger on diet of her deepest fears, her darkest secrets. I grew powerful. Far more powerful than little Miss Weasley, powerful enough to start feeding Miss Weasley a few of my secrets, to start pouring a little my soul back into her. 
"What you mean?" said Harry. "Haven't you guessed yet, Harry Potter?" Jenny Weasley opened the Chamber of Secrets. She strangled the school roosters and dabbed threatening messages on the walls. She set the serpent of Slytherin on four mudbloods and the Squibs cats. No, yes, of course. She didn't know. What she was doing at first, it was very amusing. I wish you could have seen her new diary entries. Far more interesting. They became, dear Tom, I think I'm losing my memory. There are rooster feathers all over my robes, and I don't know how they got there. Dear Tom, I can't remember what I did on the night of Halloween, but the cat was attacked, and I've got paint all down my front. Dear Tom, Percy keeps telling me I'm pale and I'm not myself. I think he suspects me. There was another attack today, and I don't know where I was, Tom. What am I going to do? I think I'm going mad. I think I'm the one attacking everybody, Tom. Harry's fist now was clutched, but Tom didn't stop. It took a very long time for stupid little Ginny to stop trusting her diary, but she finally became suspicious and tried to dispose of it. And that's where you came in, Harry. You found it, and I couldn't have been more delighted. Of all the people who could have picked it up, it was you, the very person I was most anxious to meet. And they were talking about how back in the day it was his word, the prefect, perfect boy. Words versus Hagrid's words. Hagrid's just weird, brainless at the time, and only the Transfiguration teacher Dumbledore. Also, we know Dumbledore back in the day was also like Professor McGonagall. Transfiguration teacher seemed to think Hagrid was innocent. Dumbledore persuaded Dippet to keep Hagrid and train him as gamekeeper. Yes, I think Dumbledore might have guessed. Dumbledore never seemed to like me as much as the other teachers did. And Harry just said, "Dumbledore must see right through you." And they were going back and forth. It's like you failed this time. Nobody died, not even the cats. In a few hours, the Mandrakes will be able to save everybody who who was petrified. But Tom Riddle was like, "Mm mm, the killing mudbloods doesn't matter to me anymore. For many months now, my new targets have been you." And then he goes explaining everything. It's like, "Why do you care how I escaped?" Harry still didn't get it. Voldemort was after your time, and Tom Riddle just goes, "Voldemort is my past, present, and future Harry Potter." He pulled Harry's wand from his pocket and began to trace it through the air, writing three shimmering words: "Tom Marvelo Riddle." Then he waved the wand once. The letters of his name rearranged themselves. "I am Lord Voldemort." You see, it was a name I was already using at Hogwarts to my most intimate friends only. Of course, you think I was going to use my filthy Muggle father's name forever? I, in whose veins runs the blood of Salazar Slytherin himself, through my mother's side, I keep the name of a foul common Muggle who abandoned me even before I was born, just because he found out his wife was a witch. No. No, Harry. I fashioned myself a new name, a name I knew wizards everywhere would one day fear to speak. When I had become the greatest sorcerer in the world, now that he explained his past, you can't help sympathize with him. It's like why he hated Muggleborn so much. It's like Slytherin; they found Muggle untrustworthy. But I really like this line here. Is like 
not the greatest sorcerer in the world. Sorry to disappoint you and all that, but the greatest wizard in the world is Albus Dumbledore. Everyone says so. Even when you were strong, you didn't dare try and take over at Hogwarts. And later we see the Phoenix Fox deliver the Sorting Hat here. Little began to laugh again. He laughed so hard that the dark chamber rang with it. It's like this is what Dumbledore sends his defender? A songbird and an old hat. Do you feel brave? Do you feel safe now, Harry? And it's battle time. Harry was thinking fast and he was saying something way more mature than his age. It was like, my mother, my common muggle-born mother, she stopped you from killing me and I've seen the real you. I saw you last year. You are a wreck. You are barely alive. That's where all your power got you. You are in hiding. You are ugly. You are foul. And now Tom Reed was really provoked. So, your mother died to save you, yes. That's a powerful counter charm. I can see now. There is nothing special about you after all. I wondered, you see, because there is a strange likeness between us. Harry Potter. Even you must have noticed. Both half-bloods, orphans, raised by muggles, probably the only two parcel-mouthers to come to Hogwarts since the great Slytherin himself. We even look something alike. But after all, it was merely a lucky chance that saved you from me. That's all I wanted to know. Now, Harry, I'm going to teach you a little lesson. Let's match the powers of Lord Voldemort, heir of the Salama Slytherin, against the famous Harry Potter and the best weapons Dumbledore can give him. And then we saw Fox was distracting the snake and later also blinded him. It's described as, it's described as the yellow eyes had been punctured by the phoenix. Blood was streaming to the floor and the snake was spitting in agony. That's what Fox did. Later, the sorting hat had gave Harry a gleaming silver sword. The sword, described as its handle glittering with rubies the size of, of eggs. Because now the snake was blind. Riddle just gave in direction. I kill the boy, leave the bird. The boy is behind you. Sniff, smell him. <laughs> smell him and i still remember in the movies how harry just dodged and it smashed head the chamber wall and lunged again and it's all just crashing down the busk lunged again and this time its aim was true harry threw his whole weight behind the swords and drove it in the hilt into the roof of the serpent's mouth and as warm blood drenched harry's arms he felt a searing pain just above his elbow one long poisonous fan was sinking deeper and deeper into his arm and it splattered as the busk killed over sideways and fell twinching to the floor and then fox the phoenix come to suck the venom out of harry's arm just when harry thought he's going to die he wasn't he was like phoenix tears of course healing powers i forgot and then tom riddle was just like okay just you and me harry potter you and me he raised the wand then in a rush of wings fox just soared back overhead and something fell into harry's lap the diary, then without thinking, without considering, as though he had meant to do it all along. Harry sees the busk fan on the floor next to him and plunged it straight into the heart of the book. There was a long, dreadful, piercing scream. Of course, Tom Riddle was a memory. You just kill the diary, then you kill Tom Riddle. Of course. 
Anyway, Tom Riddle had gone. Harry's wand fell to the floor with a clatter, and there was silence. Silence, except for the steady drip drip of ink still oozing from the diary. Ooh, the basilisk venom had burned a sizzling hole right through it. Good old Harry gathered together his wand, the sorting hat, and with a huge tug, retrieved the glittering swords from the roof of the basilisk's mouth. And then Ginny came back, just like、oh, I tried to tell you, but never mind. And Harry got Ginny out of there. And then very soon they meet Ron again. It's like Ron, Ginny's okay. I've I've got her. But Ron goes, "Where'd you get the swords? Where's the bird come from?" And Harry says, "Don't put those pets. It's a phoenix." And they went to check on Lockhart, and Lockhart's memory is gone. The memory charm backfired, and now he hasn't got a clue who he was. Ron was like, "Where he was or who we are?" I told him to come and wait here. He is a danger to himself. And then they were wondering how could they get out. And then Fox. And so what happens is Harry tucked the swords and sorting hat into his belt. Ron took hold of the back of Harry's robes, and Harry reached out and took hold of Fox's strangely hot tail feathers. An extraordinary lightness seems to spread through his whole body, and the next second, in a rush of wings, they were flying upwards through the pipes. Harry could hear Lockhart dangling below him, say, "Amazing, amazing! This is just like magic." <laughs> and all four of them were hitting the wet floor of Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. And as Lockhart straightened his hat, the sink that hid the pipe was sliding back into place. When they get out, Fox was leading the way, glowing gold along the corridor. A moment later, found themselves outside Professor McGonagall's office, and Harry knocked. Push the door open. But here is a little thing before we go to next chapter. Here is Moaning Myrtle was like, "Oh, I thought you were dead. Oh well, I've just been thinking. If you had died, you'd have been welcome to share my toilet." And Ron was like, "Harry, I think Myrtle's grown fond of you. You've got competitions, Ginny." Anywho, next chapter is chapter eighteen, Dobby's reward. I will leave the last chapter next. So the last chapter, it's called Dobby's Reward. As always, we know it's about more questions answered, more wise words from Dumbledore. It's always like that. Still worth reading. It's so good. This book. When Harry, Ron, Ginny, and Lockhart stood in the doorway, we know that Miss Mr. and Mrs. Weasley was here because Ginny was taken away. As you know, that your parents would be called to school. Of course, once upon seeing Jenny, Mrs. Weasley is just like, "Oh, you saved her! How did you do it?" And then Harry started telling them everything. For nearly a quarter of an hour, he spoke into the rapt silence. He told them about hearing the disembodied voice, how Hermione had finally realized that he was hearing a basilisk in the pipes, how he and Ron had followed spiders into the forest, that Aragog had told them where the last victim of the basilisk had died, and how he guessed Moni Myrtle had been the victim, and that the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets might be in her bathroom. Very well, Professor McGonagall was like in. Pressed, but breaking hundreds school rules in pieces along the way, I might tell. When Harry get to the sorting hats, the swords, and Fox' timely arrival, and how Fox saved him, 
or this part, like the battle parts, he faltered. He had so far avoided mentioning Tom Riddle's diary or Jenny. She was standing with her head against Mrs. Weasley's shoulder because he was like, "What if they expelled me? <laughs> I mean, priorities, guys. They always worry about being expelled when." There are so much more to be worried about. Instinctively, Harry looked at Dumbledore. He said, "What interests me most is how Lord Voldemort managed to enchant Ginny. When my sources tell me he is currently in hiding in the forests of Albania, he always speaks in a very calm and slow voice. Just make you feel okay. Everything is fine." Dumbledore, come on, you must know everything. It's like. He is always calculating everything. He wants Harry to spit it out. I think always ask the right, the poignant, the most hardest question out loud in this kind of situation. And Harry is just like, okay, now I must confess. It was this diary. And when Harry was talking about Tom Riddle's diary, we know that very few people actually know Lord Voldemort was once called Tom Riddle. And Dumbledore was like, I told him myself fifty years ago at Hogwarts, and he disappeared after leaving the school, traveled far and wide, sunk so deeply into the dark arts, consorted with the very worst of our kind, underwent so many dangerous magical transformations that when he resurfaced as Lord Voldemort, he was barely recognizable. Hardly anyone connects Lord Voldemort with the clever, handsome boy who was once head boy here. Especially like what Mr. Weasley said here, when they tell like Jenny was enchanted through the diary, and Jenny was like, "I have been writing back, and he has been talking with me." And Mr. Weasley, Jenny, haven't I told you anything? What have I always told you? Never trust anything that can think for itself if you can't see where it keeps its brain. I was like, AI. J.K. Rowling has been talking about this for ages. Look at us now. Never trust. Never trust anything that can think for itself. Dumbledore basically just assured them never to worry about anything. It's like he's so caring for children, and just like Miss Weasley should go up to the hospital wing right away. This has been a terrible ordeal for her. There will be no punishment. It's like she's still so young. Come on, older, wiser wizards than she have been hoodwinked by Lord Voldemort. So it's like this is nothing. Bed rest and perhaps a large steamy mug of hot chocolates. I think is what she needed. I always find that cheers me up. Oh, I really freaky love Dumbledore. He just strike that wise and cheeky and funny perfectly. And then Professor McGonagall is leaving. It's like I will leave Harry and run to you, Professor Dumbledore. And Dumbledore is like, certainly. I seem to remember telling you both in the beginning when they crashed their cars. It's like I would have to expel you if you broke any more school rules," said Dumbledore. Ron opened his mouth in horror, which goes to show that the best of us must sometimes eat our words. Dumbledore went on, smiling. You will both receive special awards for services to the school, and let me see. Yes, I think two hundred points a piece for Gryffindor. I was like, yes, and also to Lockhart. This this part is funny as well. Dumbledore was like, I can see one of us seems to be keeping quiet about his part in this dangerous adventure, and Lockhart is like, 
Am I a professor? Goodness, I expect I was hopeless, was I? And Ron explained that he tried to do a memory charm and the wand backfired. Dear me, said Dumbledore, impaled upon your own swords, Gilderoy. So Dumbledore knows everything all along. He knows Gilderoy Lockhart didn't do any of the things he said he did in the books. I was wondering why he had hired her in the beginning as a Dada teacher. Anywho, Dumbledore always have everything calculated, exactly what he wanted it to be. So Dumbledore asked Ron to take Gilroy Lockhart to the hospital wing and leave him to Harry. Sit down, Harry, he said, and Harry sat nervously, understandably. First of all, Harry, I want to thank you. You must have shown me real loyalty down in the chamber. Nothing but that could have called Fox to you. I still remember this, actually, when Harry was just saying, You are not the greatest wizard in the world. To Voldemort, Dumbledore is the greatest wizard of all time. Maybe not of all time, but in our times. And that's when Fox came. And good old Harry started to doubt himself. It's like... Professor Dumbledore. Riddle said, I'm like him. Strange likeness, he said. Did he now? Dumbledore said. And what do you think, Harry? I don't think I'm like him. I mean, I mean Gryffindor. I'm... He fell silent, a lurking doubt raised surfacing in his mind. Professor, the sorting hat told me I'd have done well in Slytherin. Everyone thought I was a Slytherin's heir for a while because I can speak Parseltongue. You can speak Parseltown, Harry, because Lord Voldemort, who is the last remaining descendant of Salazar Slytherin, can speak Parseltown. Unless I'm much mistaken, he transferred some of his own powers to you the night he gave you that scar. Not something he intended to do, I'm sure. Voldemort put a bit of himself in me? It certainly seems so, Dumbledore said. So, I should be in Slytherin. The sorting hat could see Slytherin's power in me and it put you in Gryffindor, said Dumbledore calmly. Listen to me, Harry. You happen to have many qualities, Salazar Slytherin prized in his hand-picked students, his own very rare gift, parseltongue, resourcefulness, determination, a certain disregard for rules. Yet, the sorting hat placed you in Gryffindor. You know why was that? Think. It only put me in Gryffindor because I asked not to go in Slytherin. Exactly. Which makes you very different from Tom Riddle. It is our choice, Harry, that show what we truly are, far more than our abilities. Oh, words of wise. If you want proof, Harry, that you belong in Gryffindor, I suggest you look more closely at this. It's the swords. You know, that swords is actually belong to Godric Gryffindor. So only a true Gryffindor could have pulled that out of the hat, Harry. For a minute, neither of them spoke. Then Dumbledore put open one of the drawers in Professor McGonagall's desk and took out a crow and a bottle of ink. What you need, Harry, is some food and sleep. I suggest you go down to the feast. While I ride to Azkaban, we need our gamekeeper back, and I must draft an advertisement for the Daily Prophet too. Well, we will be needing a new Dada teacher. Defense against the dark arts? Dear me, we do seem to run through them, don't we? But Lucius Malfoy was here, and Dobby, poor guy, was carrying a stained rock with which he was attempting to finish cleaning Mr. Malfoy's shoes. Lucius Malfoy's like, you're back. And then Dumbledore was like, yeah. Are the 11 governors contacted me today? It was something like being caught 
in the hailstone of owls to tell the truth. They'd heard that Arthur Weasley's daughter had been killed and wanted me back here at once. They seemed to think I am the best man for the job, after all. Very strange tales, they told me to. Several of them seemed to think that you had threatened to curse their families if they hadn't agreed to suspend me in the first place. And then you called the culprit? Who is it? Dumbledore was like, by this diary, Lord Voldemort enchanted somebody, and the elf, Dobby, was doing something very odd. His great eyes fixed meaningfully on Harry. He kept pointing at the diary, then at Malfoy, and then hitting himself hard on the head with his fist. And Harry suddenly understood. He nodded at Dobby and just like, don't you want to know how Ginny got hold of that diary, Mr. Malfoy? Because you give it to her and flourish and blots. You picked it up, her old transfiguration book, and slept the diary inside, didn't you? He saw Mr. Malfoy's white hands clutch and unclutch. Prove it, he hissed. Oh, no one will be able to do that, said Dumbledore, smiling at Harry. Not now that Riddle had vanished from the book. On the other hand, I would advise you, Lucius, not to go giving out any more of Lord Voldemort's old school things. If any more of them find their way into innocent hands, I think Arthur Weasley, for one, will make sure they are traced back to you. Lucius Malfoy stood for a moment, and Harry distinctly saw his right hand twitch as though he was longing to reach for his wand. Instead, he turned to his housewife. We're going, Dobby, and they're leaving, and kicked Dobby. And good old Harry just come up with a plan that will only work in a story like this. So Harry took off one of his shoes, pulled off his slimy, filthy sock, and stuffed the diary into it. Then he ran down the dark corridor. He's like, Mr. Malfoy, I've got something for you. And he forced the smelly sock into Malfoy's hand. What the? Mr. Malfoy ripped the sock off the diary, threw it aside, then looked furiously from the ruined book to Harry. You will meet the same sticky end as your parents one of these days, Harry Potter. They were meddlesome fools too. I mean, who says this to a 12 years old boy? I, I get it, your son is a prick, but you are a grown-ass man. You say this to a boy, like, sticky end as your parents. Gosh, and Dobby is like, got a sock, must throw it, and Dobby caught it, and Dobby, Dobby is free. Lucius Malfoy stood frozen, staring at the elf, and then he launched at Harry. It's just like, you've lost me, my servant boy. But Dobby shouted, you shall not harm Harry Potter. There was a loud bang, and Mr. Malfoy was thrown backwards. He crashed down the stairs three at a time, landing in a crumpled hip on the landing blow. He got up, his face livid, and pulled out his wand, but Dobby raised a long, threatening finger. You shall go now. You shall not touch Harry Potter. You shall go now. And Lucius Malfoy had no choice. With a last incense stare at the pair of them, he swung his cloak around him and hurried out of sight. Harry Potter, free the Dobby! <laughs> okay, I'll stop. Stop reading this part. Harry just asked one last question. It's just, you told me all this had nothing to do with he who must not be named. Remember? Well, it was a clue, sir, Dobby said. Was giving you a clue. The Dark Lord, before he changed his name, could be freely named, you see? Right, 
said Harry weakly. Well, I'd better go. There's a feast, and my friend Hermione should be awake by now. Dobby just threw his arms around Harry's middle, <laughs> his shorts, and hugged him. Harry Potter is greater by far than Dobby knew. Farewell, Harry Potter. I must do that. Dobby is just so cute. And with a final loud crack, Dobby disappeared. And good old Hogwarts feasts, always spectacular. But this one was described to Harry had been to several feasts, but never one quite like this. Everybody was in their pajamas, and celebration lasted all night. The pajama party. I would love one. And what's fun was when Professor McGonagall standing up to tell them the exams had been cancelled. <laughs> At the school's treat, and Hermione is just like, "Oh no!" I like in the end when Professor Dumbledore was announcing that Professor Lockhart would be unable to return next year, owing to the fact that he needed to go away and get his memory back. Quite a few of the teachers joined in the cheering that greeted this news. Ron was eating his jam donuts, saying, "Shame." He's starting to grow on me. <laughs> I was like, maybe after he lost his memory, and Ron spent a lot of time with Lockhart. This losing memory maybe make Lockhart him his true self, and Ron started to like him. The rest of the final term passed in a haze of blazing sunshine. Hogwarts was back to normal, with only a few small differences. Dada teacher or Dada classes were cancelled, and Lucius Malfoy had been sacked as a school governor. Draco was no longer strutting around the school as though he owned the place. Then it was time for the journey home on Hogwarts Express. They asked Ginny, "It's like, what did you see Percy doing? That he didn't want you to tell anyone?" And Ginny was like, "Percy's got a girlfriend." Oh, it's that Ravenclaw prefect, Penelope Clearwater, also the same girl who was petrified with Hermione. But anywho, Harry gave Hermione and Ron his phone number. This is called a telephone number. I told your dad how to use a telephone last summer. He will know. Call me at Dursley's, okay? I can't stand another two months with only Dudley to talk to. Your aunt and uncle will be proud, though, won't they? Said Hermione as they got off the train and joined the crowd in the Muggle world. Proud? Said Harry. Are you crazy? All those times I could have died, and I didn't manage it. They'll be furious. That is the end of book two, Chamber of Secrets. Next, we're going to go to the purple book. The purple book. Oh, that's my favorite. Until next time, see ya.